Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, hey, hey. Our test is in the stands. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> Welcome, 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 everyone, to the Points in the Paint podcast, Stadium's NBA podcast. It's the trade deadline edition. Ben Wittenstein. And Zach Badger House is in the house. Zach, I don't celebrate Christmas, being Jewish, but I would imagine this is kind of what Christmas Day feels like, being trade deadline day in the NBA, and specifically today's trade deadline. I feel like this is a lot what Christmas feels like, because it's... This has been an incredible day today. It, it depends on who you ask, what team you're rooting for, and the players whom of which were traded for today, in, at the end of today's trade deadline. I will say that. Now, it may feel like Christmas if you're a Chicago Bulls fan. That's true. If you're a Miami Heat fan. You know, depending on what type of team you're rooting for this time around during the NBA season, I think it may feel like Christmas. It uh, There was certainly news flying everywhere today. I was just continually scrolling through Twitter. I didn't get off for like six hours. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of fun watching Shams do his thing and post news. Thing, it was fantastic. <laughs> and again, I have to do this. I have to shout out our boy. Cam Smith did a tremendous job hosting the trade deadline special on stadium. He was great. He was definitely great. I love watching it. I definitely was tuning in, had it on mute, but that's what closed caption is for. So I definitely, you know, so that's why, uh, shout out to definitely my main man, Cam. Gotta, gotta bring him back, right? Gotta bring him back. And I I saw Kenya Martin on the show too, as well. And so, yeah, I definitely had got a kick out of it. Shams holding it down, right? Breaking news. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, they had the Shams cam. I mean, that's that's all you need to know about that. He was he was on his phone breaking news. Some tremendous trades going through. Um, so what we're going to talk about those again. We appreciate everyone tuning in, downloading the episode. You can find us on Twitter for up to date news on the podcast. Um, we are at Points Paint on Twitter. We are anywhere that you get your podcast. Subscribe, download, leave a review. We'd love to hear it. Uh, but Zach, let's just get into some of these big trades because there was a lot going on as we said today. And the biggest one, other than we can talk about all the deep in a second, but I think the biggest one, and I say that because personally it's the biggest one for me because it involves the Chicago Bulls, but it's all-star uh, Nikola Vucevic going to the Chicago Bulls, and the Bulls are sending Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter uh, over to Atlanta or over to Orlando, and Orlando is sending back Vucevic and uh, Al Farouk Aminu, and this is, I think, a great trade. For the Bulls to make. And, and as a non-Bulls fan, Zach, I don't know how, how it looks from the outside for you. <laughs> so as an outsider, right? I'm not a Bulls fan. Just a, a fan of basketball, a fan of the NBA as a whole. So, you know, I'll pick a team I believe is going to win a championship and kind of go from there. But looking at the Chicago Bulls, you know, a city where I live, Chicago, you want a team like that to be good, big market, right? So seeing Vucevic go to the Chicago Bulls was a stellar move. Great addition, right? Because it was somebody that they kind of would, they kind of needed, especially when you look at from a big, a front court standpoint, they definitely needed a guy like Vucevic, career double-double guy, getting 24 a game already. The pick and roll and the pick and pop game will be tremendous with Zach Levine. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think that's going to be, pretty awesome to see moving forward from uh, the Bulls with those two paired up. Yeah, it's very clear at this point that Arturis Karnaschovas, the Bulls GM, is kind of in win-now mode, it seems like, because the Bulls did give up up two first-rounders 
They gave up their 2021 first rounder, their 2023 first rounder. They're both lightly protected uh, for picks one through four. But the Bulls are adding veteran presence. They're adding Al Farouk Amino, who, yeah, he's been injured the past couple of years, and he struggled to stay in line. But he can be a tremendous defender, which is something the Bulls really need. He's a veteran. He's a defender. That is a great get for them if he can stay healthy. And Vucevic just adds a pick-and-roll player to play with Zach Levine. And we've seen Bulls fans who've watched the Bulls consistently know that Zach Levine and Thad Young have tremendous rapport together as a pick-and-roll team. You add Vucevic to that, and my God, I mean, that's a very tough tandem to defend. And the things that I was reading, too, we know kind of show this, and we know Mark Eversley, the Bulls GM, uh, come from Denver. And it seems a little bit, Zach, that they are trying to replicate a mini Denver Nuggets type of team. You have Zach Levine and you have Vucevic, who kind of, in a way, mirror Jamal Murray and and Nikola Jokic. And just the the way that they can play the pick and roll game, the versatility that Vucevic brings. Now, Vucevic is nowhere near as good as Jokic. Don't get me wrong. Jokic is an MVP candidate, top 10 player in the league. But you see the similarities of, of the style that they play, and you see the, the similar type of uh, players and personnel that the Bulls are putting together to try to mirror what the Nuggets did. Well, when you see that kind of take place, you know, you kind of wonder, well, when the winning will transpire. And when you look at the moves that the GM has made for the Chicago Bulls, then, like you said, it's win. It's a win-now situation. And now I think there are a couple more pieces away from really being, you know, true playoff, consistent contenders in the NBA. How, <clears throat> excuse me, however, I will say this. Vucevic going there is way more important I think you're giving, a, giving it credit to. Now, you're kind of somewhere in the middle, Ben, so I'm going to bring it up a little bit more. So, yeah, he's not, he's not the joker. But I think it'll just elevate the Bulls for the Eastern Conference to a whole new level because now you have two all-stars on the same team out in the East that'll be able to compete with the Milwaukee Bucks of the world, the Philadelphias of the world. You know, so when you see a team like the Bulls kind of elevate their roster by going to get a guy like Vucevic, I think it will put them in a situation where they can compete in the East but like you said, it won't necessarily be super, super much of an impact as a uh, Nikola Jokic. Yeah, it's certainly a mini Nuggets looking team, and there's definitely more. There's definitely more pieces the Bulls need. They they need a Lonzo Ball type of guy who unfortunately was not traded to the Bulls. He wasn't traded at all in in this trade deadline. So they're gonna need they're gonna need a point guard who's better than Kobe. And I love Kobe, and I love the way he plays. I love his hustle, but he's he's just not a starting point guard in the NBA. That's just not the role that he should play. If he's going to start, it should be at the two. I think his best role would be a six man. I think he would be a tremendous six man for any team. And and I hope the bulls keep him on in that type of role. But right now it seems like the bulls got their five. They've got Vucevic. They've got their two in Zach Levine. They've got their three in Patrick Williams, who I'm still extremely high on. So right now they're looking for their four and their point guard, which it could be a lot worse. But it, it it is very obvious that the Bulls took another step forward in the development of their team today. And, and they got rid of Wendell, who I wish the best. He's a great guy. He seems like he can be a pretty good player down the road. But he just he was not developing the way the Bulls wanted him to develop. And if you watch the game against the Cavaliers yesterday on Wednesday, he just didn't look great. He wasn't catching balls. He wasn't defending well. He wasn't playing strong. Same of those complaints that you have with Lowry Markkinen. So the Bulls needed to upgrade. They, they needed to get rid of a lot of their youth. They needed to bring in some veterans, and that's exactly what they did. They also got Daniel Tice from Boston, who I think could make a tremendous backup center. He's 29th in the league in block shots, which I think will surprise a lot of people because he is undersized for a center. So overall, as a team for the Bulls, they got a hell of a lot better today. They got veteran presence. They got another all-star to play with Zach Levine. And the thing that I'm happiest about with this, Zach, is they are not wasting Zach Levine's prime years. And I think that's, <laughs> that is the biggest part of all this. Now, if you look at this other team, Ben, you know, this same team was in the finals last year. And I feel like we always, we always start off by saying, when we talk about them, that's the first thing we say. They were in the, they were in the finals last season. That's the Miami Heat. And, you know, they were in a situation with, you know, obviously Jimmy Butler being out and other players were out. 
throughout the course of the season. But now with this piece that they go out and get, the future is kind of looking brighter than it was a season before by them going to add a guy like Victor Oladipo from the Rockets. Yeah, and this is a team that has clearly upgraded. And as of this recording, I don't think they have signed LaMarcus Aldridge yet, but that is the rumors going around. I think, you know, uh, Shams was saying that and Woj was saying that, that the Heat are the front runners. So at this point, if Aldridge goes to the Heat, they're going to have Oladipo at the two. They're going to have probably Aldridge, what, at the four. I mean, that, that's a dangerous team. You put Jimmy Butler and Dragic and, and Adebayo in that starting lineup with him. That's a strong team. Listen, if teams in the East are trying to get more and more competitive to compete with that juggernaut out in Brooklyn, you know I'm all here for it. So, yeah. so if the Miami Heat want to go out and get a guy like Victor Oladipo, and possibly add LaMarcus Aldridge to play the four. And then you got Bam at the five at the high post. You got options with the pick and pop with Jimmy Butler. And, of course, with Victor Oladipo, a silent assassin. That's what I call Victor <laughs> Oladipo. He's the well, silent assassin. In my okay, how, how confident, I, I guess I get that answer right here, but how confident are you that Oladipo is going to be the Oladipo that we saw on the Pacers you know, two and a half years ago and not the Oladipo that we've seen recently where he he'll, he'll have a couple good stretches, but you know, his three point shooting hasn't been as good. His field goal percentage hasn't been as good. He hasn't been as explosive. Are, are you sure we're not going to see that Oladipo on the heat this time around? I'm, you know what I think is, okay, hold on in Miami this time around. I want you to listen to those, those key words right there in Miami. This time around, it's in Miami. Nothing should be, only, only thing, everything should be better and more positive in a place like Miami alone. It's Miami. So the trees, you know, the trees you see out there, the ocean breeze, <laughs> all, all of that alone should just elevate Oladipo's game. But in all seriousness, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in a down year like this year, he's averaging a good, quiet 20 points a game. Yes, the, uh, the field goal percentage isn't necessarily all the way there. However, I think that will turn. I think the pressure, the pressure won't be there as much either for a guy That's like true. Victor Oladipo too, because you'll have a guy like Jimmy who's gonna lead, and then like I said, you got a bam with it. You got a possibly veteran leadership with Lamarcus Aldridge, who he's gonna want to rejuvenate his his career too as well, and try to go after a championship after seeing what that team did last year. Oh man. Yeah, I, I do think the dynamic between Jimmy and Oladipo is going to be really interesting because I wouldn't I don't I wouldn't call Oladipo, you know, an alpha. I, I don't think he's an alpha. I, I don't think you can mm-hmm. consider him really an alpha. He was the main guy with the Pacers, but he doesn't you know, it doesn't seem like he have, has that kind of attitude of of the alpha that Jimmy Butler has. So I don't know if there's going to be any headbutting necessarily between those two, but the way they the chemistry goes with them on the court is going to be really interesting to see how that develops. I, I think if Oladipo accepts that maybe he's the second fiddle, he's the second option, maybe even the third option at times offensively, it's going to go a lot smoother. And I know you joked about, you know, the warm weather and the palm trees, but there's something to be said about the heat culture. <laughs> the heat culture is very real. It's a, it's a thing. It's a thing that players have talked about making them better players and making the team as a whole better player. So Maybe Eric Spolstra is the perfect guy to figure out how to use Oladipo to his max efficiency. And and maybe he knows exactly how that's going to work in that roster. How important do you think this next move really was for a team out West who went out, I think, I feel like on a limb and grabbing this piece. What do you think about this next move that we're about to talk about? So I'm guessing you're thinking Aaron Gordon. Of course. The Nuggets. I, I love it for the Nuggets. And you you saw people on Twitter when this happened saying, oh, this makes the Nuggets a contender now. And I I would agree, but I I don't think I think that's begging the question about them that they were the not a contender before. I I mean, I think they were there. I know that they haven't been playing as well this season, but they're as good of a team as any when they're playing their best basketball. And it had looked like at least before they've lost two out of their last three, it looked like they were really finding a groove and winning games and, and playing well together. So I think this addition, especially after losing Jeremy Grant last year, who they sorely, sorely miss, I think it's a great addition. You get a four who can play defense, 
who is a sneaky good passer with Aaron Gordon and who can help them offensively score the ball. I, I, him and Jokic playing together is going to be so fun to watch because we know Gordon, I mean, he's 26. He can move around. He's a quick guy. He's able to to run a motion offense and Jokic passing him the ball and, and the way he's able to pass the ball. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch that offense really open up. I guess he's not the same type of rebounder as a Paul Millsap. No. But I guess in a sense you get a you get a more explosive version of a airing of a of a Paul Millsap when you think about it. So in that case, you know, I'm I'm here for it because he's obviously gonna substitute the minutes from a Paul Millsap who's getting older and is gonna need probably lesser minutes but more crucial minutes throughout the game for the Denver Nuggets. But I didn't necessarily think the Aaron Gordon piece put them over the top. I mean you don't think I'm so? sti- I don't think so because I'm still waiting for the leap of Michael Porter Jr. Okay, I think once yeah. that I think once that leap comes with the along with the addition of getting Aaron Gordon and the, you know, the rest of the other guys because you still got you still got to remember what they're subtracting. He may have not played exceptionally well, but he played relatively well for the Nuggets, and that was Gary Harris. Like you know, he was he battled injury, and it was kind of tough for him coming back. But I think. With that subtraction, you still got to make sure and doubt, you know, without a doubt that Michael Porter Jr. is going to be that other score for you. And he's going to be able to leap his game to where we expect it to be moving forward for Aaron Gordon to really be an essential piece for me uh, for the Nuggets. Me and you both are waiting for Michael Porter Jr. to do something. He was because <laughs> he was our we picked him as our most improved player of the year who we thought would win that award before the season started. And. You know, he got COVID and, and yeah. he struggled to come back from that. So I understand that. But he's still that player where the Nuggets are just like, you're so close to being something good and to having this amazing ability at 6'10 to be able to consistently hit the three-point shot and be a good offensive force. But he just hasn't hit that tipping point yet. And he's still young, so there's still time. But I think the Nuggets, you and me, are all just waiting for Michael Porter Jr. to do something <laughs> to, to continue to play at a consistent pace because we all know that he has the tools to be an incredible player. But the Nuggets, I don't know how long they're going to be waiting for him to do that. And I think this Aaron Gordon move definitely helps a lot because they're not reliant on that. And they've always struggled find, finding that third player. Who's going to be behind Murray and Jokic if they're both struggling or if the defense is being able to lock them both down? Who is going to be that third player to step up and provide some offense? They were hoping it was going to be Michael Porter Jr., but I think Aaron Gordon, a guy who has, in his career with the Magic, been looked at as a number one guy and a number two guy, him as a number three scorer now, I think it's just going to be allowing him to be a lot more efficient and, and a lot better on the offensive side for the Nuggets. Now, I will say this. I do like that they added JaVale McGee to give them more depth in the front court. I do like that. That'll give, you know, a fewer minutes for a guy like Jokic too as well, especially, you know, in the playoffs. And you, know, you get that experience, championship experience with uh, JaVale McGee as well. So I did <laughs> like true. the fact that they did add JaVale. Man, JaVale McGee and championship experience going hand in hand. <laughs> that is a that is a crazy thought to have. And and hopefully he instills some of that. It's, it's wild to think that you have someone like a Jamal Murray or some of these younger guys, a Michael Porter Jr. going up to JaVale McGee for advice. But here we are. <laughs> Maybe he'll help them out a little. Three championships, and he got three. He got, he got three. He's got three rings. What's he say? <laughs> um, let's see some other big moves today. Evan Fournier going to the Celtics, and I think the Celtics got a great guy for this. They only had to give up two second rounders, too, which I was really surprised. The the small amount that they had to give up for Fournier, and Fournier gives them a veteran presence, a guy who can come off the bench too and provide some age, which they need coming off the bench. A lot of their bench is just young guys. So he can come off the bench, provide some veteran presence, shoot the ball well. He can be a good playmaker in the pick and roll, too. I, th- I think the Celtics did a pretty good job with Fournier. I honestly think he could possibly end up starting. And I feel like the scenario of the starting lineup could be where, you know, Marcus Smart, he'll probably play the one. Doesn't necessarily bring he'll, bring, he'll bring the ball up every time. But you have a guy like Marcus Smart, running the one or starting at the one. Evan at the two, you can put Jalen at the three, obviously Tatum at the four, and whomever, Robert Williams at the five, however the Celtics want to do it. 
I don't think they addressed the necessary position they needed to, but we did talk about the idea of them getting an Aaron Gordon or possibly getting some shooting to come off the bench. For the Boston Celtics, they did address the shooting by getting Evan Fournier, so I do like that. But I still think they need to address the front court position come uh, this buyout market season. Yeah, well, that's the Danny Ainge story, right? He's he's always so close to getting that big star, and <laughs> he's never able to pull it off. That's Danny that's Danny Ainge for you, and I know the Celtics fans will say that. They say he's always saying he was so close to getting someone else. He was so close to getting Aaron Gordon this time, but he wasn't <laughs> able to uh, able to pull the trigger. Now they get Mo Wagner in the Bulls got Mo Wagner from the Wizards, packaged him back out to the Celtics for Daniel Tice. So I I just thought it was funny too that Tice missed a game winning shot on Wednesday, Ooh, and he was traded trade. by Thursday. <laughs> He did do that. And I saw the he shot did. too last. Oh, you right too. That was that's hilarious. That's just, I don't ow. see I don't know how much of I don't know how much of him missing the shot contributed him to being traded, but I would like to think that it was a lot and that just makes it even funnier. But hey, the one one man's trash is is another man's treasure, so I hope he plays well with the Bulls, but the Celtics certainly are one of those interesting teams too that you watch and you know, especially from a betting standpoint against the the Milwaukee Bucks. They were a seven-point underdog, and if you're yeah, a team, yeah. yeah, if you're a team, it, they made it a three-point game, so they covered. They almost won and came back and won, like we said, Daniel Tice. But you know, to start out as a seven-point underdog against the Bucks, who are you know in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference, that's not a great look on the team and and what Brad Stevens has been doing. And Brad Stevens has talked about being frustrated this season with the team, and they have been a frustrating team to watch. So I don't know if the addition of Fournier is going to fix everything, but He's an improvement. He certainly helps them out in spaces that they need better shooting. Again, veteran presence. So they took a little bit of a step forward, but it wasn't anything groundbreaking. Yeah, nothing necessarily groundbreaking. But like I said, he can he can ball. He can get some buckets. You know, get about 19, 20 points a night. You know, about 14 on average for his career. So, you know, yeah, even for yeah, you can put the ball in the rim, and I think uh, that'll be huge for the Celtics. But I, like I said, as far as front court goes, they need someone in that front court. And Mo Wagner, I think he just helps in terms of spacing, being able to, you know, having Jalen Brown and Jason Taylor be able to attack the basket because he'll be able to pop out for, the, you know, three-point shot in the corner or the mid-range, whichever, whichever, decide, whichever Brad Stevens decides to go with. But other than that, I still think they need a guy like a Hassan Whiteside if he's going to be out there or, you know, just a guy like that. Yeah, Hassan Whiteside would have been a good – I think he'd be a good match for that Celtics team. Uh, but I know Evan Fournier, he tweeted out today, he said, hi, Celtics fans, if you're not familiar with me, please Google my name and do not Google his name. Absolutely do not Google his last name. <laughs> you are not going to like what you find, but it is funny that he's already he's already introducing himself to Celtics fans, just being completely disgusting and gross. You got to respect someone like that. And I think that tweet made me like him a lot more than I even initially <laughs> liked him. So you got to respect Evan Fournier for just going all out there and introducing himself to Celtics fans. Uh, more moves. You've got George Hill to the 76ers. A lot of people thought Kyle Lowry was going to be on the move to the 76ers. And we could talk about Kyle Lowry in a second, but he wasn't traded at all. George Hill, though, 76ers, good move. They, they need some stability at the point guard position. And I think they got it with George Hill. They did get it. They needed and they, and they wanted. So they needed and they wanted veteran leadership off the bench at the point guard position. Now, I think... The Kyle Lowry to Philly, the only thing good with that was the story, honestly. To be like, yeah. to be quite honest with you, it's just just the story. Is it the right move? Does the move fit? Does it work? In my opinion, absolutely not. Like, and for Philly to even try to go after him, I feel like it was all like motivated by like the media in a sense because it's just like, how does he fit with this team right now currently? Second, he makes thirty million dollars, so some mo some money has to be moved in order for Philly to even have this conversation. And so, like Ben Simmons has to be up for discussion, or like a lot of players have to be up to replace the thirty million dollars that Kyle Lowry is currently making. And so, when you when you saw all when you look at it from a deeper standpoint, I didn't think it would necessarily ever would have been a good move for him to even go there. So a guy like George Hill coming from you know. The Oklahoma City Thunder uh, team that's not doing well, and he's just a veteran, and him possibly wanting to be on a team that's aiming for a championship, 
like the Sixers, it's a match made for the rest of the season. Yeah, it is. I, he's going to do well. I mean, he's a, he's a very good, I think game manager is the right term for George Hill at this point in his career. And that's really all you need for the 76ers at this point. I mean, they're a team that really doesn't need to make too many changes. They're already a team that is prying for that top spot in the East. They have finals expectations. They don't need to make any changes, any big changes to their roster right now. And they got George Hill. I think, I think that's a win for them at this point. Now, the next trade, a lot of fun. Rondo going, <laughs> Rajon Rondo going from the Atlanta Hawks to the Clippers for Lou Williams, which I was very surprised the Clippers parted with Lou Williams. But Lou Williams is going to the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, some sad news for Magic City down in Atlanta, I'm sure, Zach. Oh, no, no sad news at all. This is actually, if you flip it, you got to flip this. It's really a sad case for the Clippers, you know, because, no, no, literally, it's just a sad case for the Clippers because when you think about it, the season before they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, if I asked you who led the team or who was the key piece on that team, who would you tell me? Would it be Lou Williams? You would definitely say Lou Williams. You would say Lou Williams, and that was Lou, Lou Will, and Shy Gilders Alexander, you know, when he was back over there. And then you had a Montrez Herald and those guys competing, and Pat Bev competing for a playoff spot and going to the playoffs. So a guy like him leading that team at that time and being a member of that organization for as long as he was – and to see it kind of unravel and unfold the way that it did with all the players leaving, him kind of being the last one standing from that time period, it was kind of like a relationship, like I said on the last podcast. It kind of just unfolded, and it didn't kind of work out with uh, new people being involved in the situation, new job or new people in the position. And so now you look at it, I get to go back home. He's from Georgia, and I get to get my wings deliver to the crib whenever I want to. So you know <laughs> Lou Williams is it ain't it's not a bittersweet situation for him going to Atlanta. Just him leaving the Los Angeles Clippers. Right. And I, hopefully he has a pretty big role with the with the Atlanta Hawks. And they they're a team too that's looked like they're kind of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. It's a team that's putting stuff together. I know you texted me the other night about Bogdanovich and how the Hawks need to keep him because of how, how big of a piece he is. And that's a team that we thought was going to be good at the start of the season. And then the season started in the first month or two and two months and a half goes by. And the Hawks look bad. They look terrible. They've got injury issues left and right, COVID issues. And so they don't really have the full extent of their roster to play. And so they're losing games. But now everyone's back. People are getting healthy. The team's finally starting to gel and get some chemistry. And the team's looking good. They're, they're looking like they could be dangerous. Team is looking good. Won eight of their last ten. They lost their last two. But they're on, a, they're on like an eight-game road trip right now. They did beat the Lakers. I know they lost to uh, the the Kings and the Clippers during this, during, during this road trip as well. But this is a team that can only literally get better, I believe. Like the Clippers, look, adding a guy like Lou Will from the Clippers – having Bajanovic on the team. as Man, that team can be so good. Then you got Nate McMillan running the show, a good coach, a developer. He's going to develop Trey Young to be better, John Collins to be even more better, like to be even better player. So it's just like the future is only bright for the Hawks. And that's a sneaky team that I like out in the East. And if we're talking about sneaky teams that I like in the West, let's talk Dallas Mavericks. Because they just got... <laughs> a whole big piece that I think they desperately need. And that's JJ Redick. They got JJ Redick in a Nicolo Melli from the new Orleans Pelicans and the Dallas Mavericks. We saw how good their offense could be last season. And it really hasn't lived up to all the height. They, they lost even Silas as we know to the Rockets and Silas was, he was a pretty big architect of their offensive scheming last season and, and why they were so good at it. And they've lost a little bit of that and they need a little bit more spacing on the offensive side. So bringing in JJ Redick, a guy who just can sit on the arc and shoot threes and still demands the respect of the defense. I think this is a great move by the Mavericks and a team too, who is now playing even better than we saw at the start of the season. And it's kind of like the Atlanta Hawks thing where they started out very slow and now they're really finding their groove since before the all-star break. And after the all-star break, they're, they're finding their, their chemistry and they're finding their offense and they look like a team that can be dangerous. Yep. They're slowly climbing the standings. 
out in the West, so that's very good for them. They currently won seven of their last ten games, and they won two straight. So that's very good for the Luka-led Dallas Mavericks. And we talked about it on the last podcast, too, about them needing shooting, and we thought one of the players that they could potentially go after was a guy like Buddy Hill. Now, what's funny is they didn't necessarily get him, but they go after a guy who's probably career average shooter, deadly guy, and J.J. Redick from from beyond the yard. And so going after a sniper like him is going to be huge because that's obviously you get you got to you got to close out on him. But you oh, also got to bring the help with Luca. So now it's a pick your poison situation whenever a J.J. Redick is in the game alongside with Luka Doncic. If you want to bring that double team, you better make sure you can locate J.J. Redick somewhere in a corner or coming off the wing or anything. Because otherwise it could be lights out. And it's going to put, I think that I think for this, J.J. Redick missing the playoffs last year for the first time in his career. And a team like this that's currently in the playoff hunt, playoff situation, he's going to be motivated. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. And he's 36, so he's getting up there in age, but he can still shoot threes. I think he he has a, a decent, if not sub-average, three-point percentage this season, but I think that's because he was in a bit of a slump to start the year. Mm-hmm. I think like the last you know, 10, 15 games, I think he's shooting like 40% from three, something like that, which that's what Dallas needs. That's That's why they traded for him. What about this other guy, Marcus Aldridge? Man, we didn't we didn't see no trade from him, which we kind of expected because you know I think he was in a situation where it was like okay, will the money match? But I don't think it did, and so with any teams or any teams were interested in picking up that contract, so we saw a buyout situation with Marcus Aldridge. Yeah, and and the Spurs are you know they're the young squad right now, and they didn't they anyone could use Aldridge, but it seemed like his time with San Antonio just kind of passed. And as we said, oh, you know, right now, as of this recording, he doesn't have a team, but all indications say he's going to the Heat. Is is at least the Heat are interested in getting him on the roster? I know we talked about him maybe going to Portland, at least us wanting him to go to Portland. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, that's not going to happen. Or probably he's going to go to Miami. So I think Miami is going to pick up a good guy in Aldridge. And and the Spurs are, you know, they're young. They're still young. They're still developing, and and they're a team that that's future. I think is still good even without Aldridge. What if Keldon Johnson can really become something over there? Have you seen him lately? Have you seen yeah, him? he's been good. He's been fun. And I bet on the Spurs, and I lost, so I'm upset at the Spurs <laughs> a couple days ago. But Keldon Johnson has looked like he's developed really well. And and obviously they have DeJounte Murray, too, who is solid. He's good. He has a bright future. So I, I do think the Spurs are in a pretty good spot, um, even without him. And now, so if we want to talk about people who didn't get traded, Kyle Lowry, as we said, and you mentioned that, the, the money, $30 million, it's a lot of money on a contract that a team needs to match in order for a trade. So I was surprised that he wasn't traded. But then again, Zach, when you look at his money, you can't be too surprised um, when you kind of look deeper into the details. Yeah, the details is what matters for sure with a guy like Kyle Lowry. And it's like, he's, he's 30 plus, making 30 plus. <laughs> so it's like, how like how much of that contract do you want? Now, I believe he may end up actually being a free agent this summer. And so if you're the Raptors, if you were just trying to get something so you don't lose a guy like Kyle Lowry, then I can understand. Now, Will... Will Philly, I mean, not Philly, will Philly go after him this offseason? Who knows? Will Toronto re-sign him? That's to be determined, you know. But, yeah, could the Raptors possibly do a have a buyout, sneaky situation? You know, they might do something. That would be surprising. And I know I saw a lot of people on Twitter doing a, a pre-eulogy for Kyle Lowry and the Raptors. And, <laughs> you know, doing those thank you, Kyle por- uh, posts. For, you know, thank you for everything you did for the city of Toronto, things like that. They were already they were getting ready for him to be traded <laughs> and that never happened. So he's going to still be back. And, and the interesting thing that someone pointed out, which out of all of this situation, I think might be good, is if he does end up either playing for them next season or at least staying with them until next year's trade deadline or, or whatever it is, he resigns, whatever he does, he's going to have a chance to hopefully leave Toronto have one last game in the actual city of Toronto instead of in Tampa Bay. 
So that would be nice. Just for the whole Kyle Lowry story, I think that would be cool to see. Yeah, that's true. No Tampa, no Tampa Bay uh, Raptors. Toronto no. Raptors, you're right. <laughs> uh, when we talk about Lonzo, too, another player that didn't get traded, who almost as surprising as Lowry that he didn't get traded. Now, it seems to me that the Pelicans might have had too high of an asking price for him if, if they didn't get traded, because I'm sure the Bulls offered Lowry Markkinen, and I'm sure the Bulls maybe offered Lowry in a couple second rounders or, or whatever it may be. But it seems that the Pelicans just didn't want to trade Lonzo or they just didn't get the right offer. Yeah, I think they wanted a first round pick to be involved in order yeah. to see him be gone, which I can understand that because he is a younger player. I don't think they really should be going after a trade with Lonzo Ball unless the situation was perfect and the uh, the pieces were right there. The pieces were all correct. The only team I really seen that seemed to have leverage in that situation was probably the Clippers, maybe. But I didn't want to see him go back to L.A., you know, that, and because it's, it's one thing to be in L.A. your first time around. But then to go back your second time around and be for the, the, the little brother team. No, that's not that's not it. All right. Do we do winners and losers. Love winners and losers. Everyone wants to know winners and losers. So let's do some winners and losers. Winners, Zach, in my opinion. You got the Bulls, you got the Nuggets, you got the Heat. That's the list I put out. And you said it, the Bulls, I think they hit a home run with this Bucevic thing. They get him for this year, they get him for next year on $22 million, I think his contract is. And then at that point, he'll be 32. His contract probably will be around the $20, $25 million mark, something like that. He's not going to be terribly expensive. I think the Bulls won this. They got Daniel Tice. They get a good backup for Vucevic. They got rid of a lot of the bad draft picks, a lot of the bad decisions that Garpax had made. They got rid of Daniel Gafford. They got rid of Chandler Hutchinson. They got rid of Wendell Carter Jr., who I didn't really see have a good future in Chicago. So I think overall the Bulls cleaned house. They're able to uh, – Karnaschevis was able to get the roster that he wanted, the players that he wanted, and I'm sure that made Zach Levine pretty happy to get another all-star to play alongside of. Bulls won yeah. that one. I think the Bulls definitely won that, getting Vucevic. Now, like I said, the Nuggets, they're there, but they're not quite there yet to really make them that true contender that we had hoped to see after they beat the Los Angeles Clippers uh, last season. And so I still think they may need, you know, Michael Porter Jr. to elevate his game. But they did win that trade overall because we're going to get to that other team. We didn't even mention, look, they're doing some so – listen. They're doing so much wildness over there in terms of just blowing it up that we haven't even mentioned the name of that team and franchise yet. We're going to get to them. Don't, don't oh, yeah, worry. Yeah, because they are in the, uh, <laughs> Well, actually, we can get to them now because I put the Orlando Magic into the losers spot. I put them under losers. But I put a question mark, too, in our in our show prep because – I don't know. Are they losers or are they winners? Because they were able to get rid of Aaron Gordon. They're able to get rid of Vucevic, but they got a lot of draft picks back and they got a lot of movement. They got rid of some of the guys that, you know, weren't going to really make a difference. Vucevic again, 30 years old and to the bulls, that's a great age, but to the magic, a team that is still trending relatively young with some of their younger guys, I don't know if he fit into their long-term plan. So you got rid of him. You got some young talent back. You got two first-rounders from the Bulls. You get rid of Aaron Gordon. You get R.J. Hampton, who I think still has potential at only 20 years old. You get Gary Harris. I think you could make the argument the Magic won the trade deadline. Ooh. Ooh. Now that's okay. I like what you did there. They started off as losers, but they could possibly be Winners, but see, they can only probably be winners in this scenario if the picks they get in the future are gonna be very bright. Yes. Now, in the last two years, they have made the playoffs. So, you know, Vucevic, Evan Fournier, you know, Aaron Gordon, those guys leading that team, their peak was a first round loss in the NBA NBA playoffs, and so. Mm-hmm. They had to get rid of those pieces in hindsight if you're looking at it from that perspective because our ceiling was first-round playoff exit, low seed. Okay, we blow it up, we start over. Okay, now what do you have moving forward? What kind of what, what do you look to get? You know no one's probably going to come there, small market. No one's going to just run, voluntarily go to Orlando, Florida, which I don't understand necessarily why. You got Disney why. World. 
He yeah, because you got World. Disney World. Because I, you know, so like you got no oh, income tax. You got good, good no income tax, good weather. So I don't know why Orlando, you know, doesn't really get the the vibes that I would expect it to get. You know, especially starting off with a Penny and Shaq to really get the franchise rejuvenated. But they're blowing it up. I don't know if they're waiting on your boy Jonathan Isaac to come back or what. <laughs> yeah, I I think they are partially because I think they do see a pretty bright future Obama. with them. And yeah, I don't know what they're trying to do with Mobamba. And that's the other thing too is they had um they had a pretty jammed up front court. They had Aaron Gordon, they had Vucevic, Mobamba, Jonathan Isaacs. That's four guys who you need to fit in <laughs> two spots. And four all four of them out of that four, maybe like one of them's a bench player. So you're kind of screwed. So you got to make some of these decisions. You got to get rid of some of your front court guys. And what they did is they got rid of their two oldest front court guys. So, you know, it makes sense when you look at it that way. They're like, let's just get rid of the two older guys who are sharing the position with two younger guys, and we'll start building from fresh. You could make the argument that they won. And, and I could see a very easy argument to say that they lost because you, you got Aaron Gordon. Uh, you got rid of Aaron Gordon, but you didn't get back what you maybe could have gotten for him last year or at the beginning of this year. You know, they waited until the trade deadline where his value is clearly decreased, and they got rid of him for... Gary Harris, unproven R.J. Hampton, and a draft pick. So, or a draft swap, I believe. So, you know, you could make the argument either way. That's why I have that question mark. I, You know, I don't know. What what did the Magic look like now? Is it a win? Is it a loss? I, I would hesitantly put them in the win column, but I think you could make the case that they, that they lost it too. Now, the Rockets, obviously, they give up Victor Oladipo, so it looks like they're just going to be blowing it up and rebuilding yeah. and, and they retooling. Got, uh, they got nothing. That's a loser. (laughs) You talk about losers. The Rockets are the face of the NBA trade trade deadline losers this year. They got, what they get? Olenek, Avery Bradley, and a draft pick? That is horrible for Oladipo, especially when they had the chance to maybe get Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. They got got a month or two of Oladipo, and they get back (laughs) Olenek, who maybe can help them. Avery Bradley, who's on the tail end of his NBA career, and a bad draft pick. They they yeah. just look bad every way. Yeah, on the Heat side of it, you know, we talked about them being winners and how much of an impact Vic is going to have. Now, with the Houston Rockets, I hate the fact that they traded Victor Oladipo. I didn't like it at all, but we obviously know he declined the offer, so you kind of had to do something. But yeah. to kind of get nothing in return was kind of rough. I mean, no Tyler Hero. You know, like your pitch wasn't high to get him, Kendrick Nunn at least. You know, so like someone with some potential over there in Miami outside of you know an old an aging uh, Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk. Like that just wasn't gonna be enough for me if I'm the GM. <laughs> yeah, it, it it just looked bad. Now I don't I don't know what I feel bad. I feel really he bad for Steven Silas. Through it, ain't he? Yeah. He, I feel bad. I mean, he he basically like cried at one of his press conferences the other day because he's just in an impossible situation. I, I don't know what he, what he does. He he has a terrible team. The the front office is making terrible decisions, and he's in his first head coaching job. First, I mean, oh, I feel so bad. Nineteen years in, assistant head coaching in the NBA. They do the black man like this. See how they do the black man? They do him so dirty. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's it's not good. It's not a good look on on the on the Rockets at all to to treat this first time head coach like this. And you would hope that they stick with him for a while. I mean, it'd be really mean just to stick him in there and be like, we'll put Steven Silas in there for a couple of years, let him take the fall, get rid of him when a better coach comes up, and go from there. Because then you have Steven Silas who has a terrible head coaching record. Yeah. No like... one thinks he can do anything, and he's screwed. <laughs> And it's just terrible all the way around. Now, these other teams in the NBA that didn't make moves, could they possibly be losers in the end, towards the end of the season? Like, uh, some teams didn't make any moves. You know, the Suns didn't do much, but they're they're doing pretty good in the West. The Lakers, the Bucks, they made a move. You know, Philly we talked about. But uh, could it be some other teams out there that could be losers in the end for not making a move to put them over the top? The Warriors. Yeah, I think the Warrior. I mean, the Warriors made tiny moves. They made tiny moves that really weren't consequential in any way. Um, I know they were looking at possibly to get Danny Green, but they got rid of Brad Wanamaker. I know that. 
that was one of the guys that they wanted to get rid of was Brad Wanamaker. Um, so they got rid of him, but they didn't really do much. And I, and I know they needed some other spots. They needed to, I said Aaron Gordon would be a good fit on the Warriors. And I stand by that. They're just, they're a team, especially with Steph now being injured. You might as well just tank. You might as well just try to get a high draft pick again. You're going to get clay back next year. Basically their best off season acquisition is going to be clay Thompson. And that's just a, that's just a tough scenario with them, right? One guy, neither guy late, late now, they can't stay healthy, both Steph and Clay, and that was just good basketball to always see throughout these last five or six years. And so to see those guys struggle with injuries the last 18 or so months, it is tough. And it's tough for the NBA as a whole, but like, you know, like I said, the Lakers didn't do anything just yet. The Jazz, they're leading, but they've been kind of sketchy a little bit. You know, and they didn't really do much as well. Like I said, I mentioned the Suns, the Clippers. That's going to be tough to determine with, right, with the Lou Williams scenario. Because, like I said, we saw him kind of declining there. But we don't really know if his replacement, you know, how much more that's going to really bring with a guy like Rondo. You know, he doesn't get that same scoring, but he can can run an offense. Yeah, I'm okay with the Jazz not doing much. Okay. I, I think the Jazz didn't need to – they don't need to finagle anything. They don't need to fit it, fidget with anything. I, I think they're a team that's perfectly fine. They've just struggled a little bit in the past few games because I think Rudy Gobert said, you know, there's just games where they don't put their full attention to the game because, A, they've had such a good record before this. They know they can afford a couple losses. And, B, they sometimes believe they are better than they are at points or they believe they're good enough – to not give 100% and still win, and that's just not the case in the NBA today. So there's just lapses in judgment, lapses in concentration with the team, and that will be figured out by the playoffs. If that's the issue, if that's really the issue, is just mentally they're not in some games, you would expect that to change by the playoffs. So I'm not worried a ton about the Jazz. I'm, I'm okay with them not making any moves, because really, if it's not broken, you don't need to try to fix it, and they're one of the best teams in the NBA this season for a reason, so you don't need to, to fidget with that lineup. Want to do a uh, stab of the week to end it out? Stat of the week, man. What, what's stat of the week? It, it's something crazy, man. Stat of the week. I saw this tweet. I thought it was wild. So the stat of the week is 34. And the reason for that is it has to do with, yeah, the (laughs) Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, They're going to have 34 draft picks in the next seven years. 34 draft picks for the Thunder in seven years and 17 first rounders and 17 second rounders. What are you going to – you can just start a whole new franchise. <laughs> like, okay. Honestly. No, this is, no, you literally can start a whole new franchise over the course of those next seven years. They could just, like, make a team in, like, Seattle, Seattle Supersonics, just, just do it again. If you need some capital, all they, they just got to call the Oklahoma City Thunder and just take – you could take half of those. So you yeah. could take half of the first round. In half of the second round, and you can just make you a whole new team. We can just we can just have another team in the NBA to go alongside with the whole NBA in Vegas idea. <laughs> so then you got you got the NBA in Vegas, and you got another team back in Seattle, and it all started because of the original team that moved from Seattle down to Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City Thunder. You got your man Sam Hinkie on the development side on the development side. Handling his business, getting those picks right on up to Seattle, and boom, we got yellow and green, and or gold and green, however you want to describe it, back in Seattle, baby. That's all I really want in wow. the end of all of that. That was a trip. That, we went on a ride there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, 34. And usually, if you have seven years of draft picks, the default would be 14 picks, but OKC has 34. So that, I just thought that was an insane statistics. Um, Sam Presti loves to, to rack up those draft picks. So we'll see what OKC is in the next five to 10 years. If they have all these draft picks, they may trade them for some big stars. They may pick some big stars knowing Sam Presti's track record at, at draft picks, but they're set up for the future. They, they really are. They might end up getting your nephew, my nephew. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. 
2030 <laughs> draft pick. Little Ben Wittenstein Jr. <laughs> somebody, some somebody's friend is gonna be in one of those draft classes going to the Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder because they got too many picks over the course of only a seven-year span. Before we ended, Zach, uh, I know we mentioned the winners and losers. So we had the Bulls as winners. As losers, what, we had the Rockets. We had some of these teams that didn't make any moves. And the Magic may be losers. We'll put half Magic in losers, half Magic in winners. <laughs> and I think you can put the Heat Nuggets, too, as winners. You definitely can put the Heat in the Nuggets as uh, as winners as well. But what the Rockets, of course, will have to be will be losers yeah. The magic are on the fence, so half losers, yeah. half winners. Half, half losers, half, half winners. Half but half. overall, fun trade deadline, man. It was I had a lot of fun today just scrolling through Twitter. No, me too. You know, it was good to see the the moves that were made. You know, and like I said, trade uh, trading Kalari didn't really make sense in terms of the financial reasoning. So, you know, I was happy he was able to at least stay there. Now, if something crazy happened with the buyout scenario. Who knows? You know, we'll see. But yeah, no, the trade deadline was dope. Shout out to Zach Levine. He gets some help, right? So that's, you know, that's pretty there good. Go. They had a piece out there in Boston with Evan Fournier that, you know, to help the scoring late in the stretch because he's a shot maker, Evan Fournier. And so, yeah, that'll be pretty dope for the uh, Boston Celtics fans as well. Yeah, we're excited. And and again, we appreciate everyone who watched the, the show, Trade Deadline Special. Oh, yeah, uh, with Cam Smith, baby. He up with yeah. Cam Smith. Got to have him on. Got to try to get someone else on, too. I won't say no names, but we may end up having him on. Might have to put it in the works. I'll let everyone know on the next podcast as this will conclude this edition of the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Stadium. We'll be back yeah. next week, too. We will be back next week. My main man, Ben Winstein. I'm Zach Badgerhouse. This concludes this edition as long as you first listen to Trash and Treasure. No Amina no more, but you can still catch the boy Felder with special guests. You always have like a guy like Dave Brossaw. He was on the last episode. So new guests every week, new episodes every week, every Thursday. Follow Shams on Twitter for your latest and breaking NBA news. Shams bombs, okay? Shams bombs. He drops the Shams bombs. And so... He does. <laughs> That'll conclude this edition. You'll hear from us next week.